Hi there, this is Dr. Casey Holland-Hamsky, and today we'll be mapping EBV and oxidative stress on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care recommendations and outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Casey Holland-Hamsky. Dr. Casey is a licensed naturopathic doctor. She believes that your health is made up of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual components. Through her clinical experience, she has seen environmental toxins, viruses, stealth infections, chronic inflammation, and stress disrupt these pillars of health. After graduating with her Bachelor's of Science in Cell Biology and Neuroscience with an emphasis on biomedical sciences, she earned her doctorate in naturopathic medicine. While there, she completed specialty rotations in environmental medicine, immune wellness, oncology, IV therapy, Parkinson's disease, emergency medicine, and mind-body medicine. Dr. Casey specializes in complex and chronic cases, often related to what she calls the toxic trio, Epstein-Barr virus, Lyme disease, and mold. Her specialties include chronic fatigue, EBV and stealth infections, mold illness, environmental toxins, digestive issues, and hormonal imbalances. So let's get this important conversation started. Dr. Casey, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I love this connection that we're going to talk into today. And, you know, oxidative stress, it's its one of the most misunderstood sectors on the functional matrix. Can you start us out today by identifying oxidative stress? And hopefully we can also touch on some key concepts related to reactive oxygen species, free radicals, and antioxidants throughout our conversation today. But oxidative stress, what is it? Yeah. So I think that we kind of complicate oxidative stress sometimes or think of it just as things like toxins or things that are known to be carcinogenic that cause reactive oxygenation species and and whatnot. But really, I think it's simpler than that. So it's really anything that is going to cause stress when our body is communicating and forming new cells in the DNA. And so it can be anything. It can be the toxins. It can be physical stressors, but it can also be mental, emotional stress and things that might not we might not think of right away. So when we talk about oxidative stress, it's a really broad thing that we can be exposed to in so many different ways. I love that you simplified it and really brought it back to stress because 
that's how I try to teach into it. If we think about stress, if we think about fatigue, we are likely experiencing oxidative stress. And I also think that a lot of the conversations where we're talking about mitochondrial damage are related to oxidative stress and we're complicating it again. Exactly. I completely agree with you. So when it comes to oxidative stress and we are thinking about free radical damage and antioxidants and all the things we can do to support the body with antioxidants, how does this relate to a, an internal milieu where there is a chronic viral infection? So with chronic viral infections, I think that's another thing to remember is that a viral infection is going to cause oxidative stress mm. because when your immune system turns on to deal with that, we're turning on inflammatory pathways, we're turning on pathways that then cause oxidative stress. So part of how well somebody is able to overcome a virus or recover from one is going to be their antioxidant status as well as their history of oxidative stress. So we could we could say, well, this person was taking all these antioxidants, they were taking glutathione, they were taking resveratrol, they were taking CoQ10, but they still had a hard time overcoming this. And and then I think it's important to think about, well, what what was the last 10 years of their life like? What were hmm. the oxidative stress levels like? What were they exposed to? So what I happen a lot that is kind of an indicator for me of how well the body is dealing with oxidative stress in its own world is Epstein-Barr virus reactivation. Because Epstein-Barr virus, when it reactivates, a lot of the triggers that are in the literature, you know, the thing that they all have in common is that they cause oxidative stress and affect different transcription factors and proteins that that virus is replicating with. And when it senses those triggers and there's different methylation patterns from different exposures, whether it be toxins, emotional stress, or whatnot, then that's going to be more likely that that virus is going to shift into a replicating state. So when we when we look at that full picture, it's not just your how many antioxidants you have, although of course we want we want to support that, but it's also looking at what else is still causing oxidative stress, what your past exposure has been like, and kind of looking at a total bucket load of, of what you're carrying. Mm, it's so interesting. It sounds like there's a bit of a catch-22 going on where we're trying to kind of catch up with the free radical damage in the body. Definitely, depending on, you know, the last five, 10 years of, of one's life or even before that has been like. So when we think about oxidative stress, especially in relation to chronic infections like reactivated EBV, are there particular antecedents? If we're looking at the last five years, are there other environmental factors or other exposures that would put somebody at higher risk for that reactivation? Yes. The top things that we see are mold exposure. Now that that is because mold can cause such high levels of oxidative stress, but also it can cause the B cells of the body to forget that they have seen the Epstein-Barr virus. Um, so you you know you're you're double hit there, where you have really high oxidative stress levels, but then your immune system is also struggling to really mount a strong response. We also see gastrointestinal permeability and history of 
emotional stress like a divorce or a traumatic death. And then there's also things like a car accident where if somebody had a concussion and that's a whole other form of trauma, but then also the physical trauma to the brain where we can have inflammation there and that's trickling down into oxidative stress. And then certain medications that can be toxic. So for example, fluoroquinolones or something, if somebody has been on those and is, you know, sometimes after they go on that, we see not only EDV reactivate, but we also see them have really, really trouble with their mitochondrial functioning and extreme fatigue. Other things might be other infections. So Lyme disease is very Mm. common to have that and then also see that we have the Epstein-Barr virus. And then other things can be if somebody got sick with the flu or something like that and they didn't, you know, they were feeling fine before that and then they got hit with that and they have joint pain develop or something. And a lot of times we see the Epstein-Barr virus reactivated during, during that time frame. So much in there, Dr. Casey, that you just said. I have a lot of things I want to kind of double click on. If we go back to the antecedents, and you mentioned earlier issues with methylation, is that going to set a body up for more challenge with these reactivated viruses and the ROSs? What about breastfeeding? Are there things like that that sets the body up in one direction versus another that you would be considering from a clinical lens? Yes. So when it comes to methylation, I think that sometimes we think like, oh, these are our, this is how our genes are working and this, we were born this way. And that's true. So some of these things we're born with and we can do tests like the strategy by Dr. Ben Lynch or something to see what's going on, see, see what's happening there. And of course, we have really well-known SNPs like the MTHFR, the CLMT right. that we really focus on. But if you look into some of the new research coming out, we're seeing that there's so much more to methylation than yep. that. So for example, a sudden mold exposure is what can happen is that that same oxidative stress can actually cause a methylation group to shift or be changed and turn your methylation pattern. So then you have new problems with detoxing. So you kind of get double hit. And I think that's why some of these presentations can be so severe. And a lot of times what we see then is, you know, patients are trying to take supplements and they're super sensitive to it and we don't know why. And so figuring out what SNP was changed or, or how to support that is really crucial in then being able to get those pathways that they need to be working to be able to repair their systems and clear out the reactive oxygen species is really important. Beautiful. And we will link to podcasts with Ben Lynch and with Dr. Mansoor Mohammed on methylation. That really underscores what you're talking about in relation to oxidative stress and EBV or these chronic infections. You mentioned also, Dr. Casey, that the B cells sort of lose their memory in the presence of something like mold. That's really 
fascinating. Did I get that right? Yes. A good reference for that is Dr. Jill Krista dives into it really, really deep with her mold research and how she explains it. But yeah, it's it's kind of like the B cells just aren't really remembering that they saw it before. So that normal immunity that you have isn't isn't there. So a lot of times with mold is what we see happening is people are reactivating from EBV over and over again, or they're just kind of staying in a reactivated state and they they then are dealing with that and the mold, obviously. I feel like we're having the really uh, conversation where we where I'm recognizing, yes, everything is connected because I'm jotting down notes and I'm like, we have episodes with Dr. Jill Carnahan on mold and Ben Lynch and Mansoor Muhammad on methylation. And we have episodes on SNPs and we have Jill Krista. You know, we can talk about these things and what you're seeing and what we're talking about today is how the oxidative stress is amplified in the presence of these chronic infections. So where do we go? What do we do when we're seeing these chronically ill patients or clients who are in this cycle of not being able to repair? Oftentimes, and I think we both see this in our clinics, these patients aren't even able to receive the kind of interventions that a lot of other even functionally trained doctors are bringing forward. Their body is in a reactive state and cannot receive at the level we're trying to intervene. Yeah, it, it's really difficult. And so the biggest thing that I focus on first is trying to determine their biggest source of oxidative stress if they're still being exposed or the biggest pathway or damage that's that's been done. So for some people, you know, it might be gastrointestinal health or something like that. And, and so hopefully we can do a stool test or do an organic acids test. For some people, they're still being exposed to mold. And that sometimes that's the hardest part is, is talking with patients and saying, hey, like, I really don't think we're going to be able to move forward or get you back to where we want you to be if you're being exposed like this. And that's really difficult because not everybody can just move. Right. And with Epstein-Barr virus, I, I did a survey with some people asking just like, what was the biggest thing that you thought that really helped your fatigue? And the biggest one that people said was an anti-inflammatory diet high in antioxidants. And so you know, I think in functional medicine, we always say eat the rainbow, eat right. vegetables. We mean like for real. <laughs> like Terry Walls style. Yes. Seven to nine servings of vegetables, every color. And for a lot of these people where supplements aren't working or whatnot, we have to at least start with there. We have to at least start with activating their pathways of, of sweating. So if we can get them in a sauna or if we can get them doing daily yoga. The other thing with chronic illness is that so many of these people have been so sick. So they're nervous to try a supplement or they're nervous yes. to try eating something new and their body is trying to protect them. So their nervous system is always in this fight or flight state and we have to try and shift them out of that. So some of these things that actually get us to the point where we can use supplements and we can do things more feel so basic, but they really are what moves the needle for a lot of patients. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The entire right side of the matrix and that ability to come out of the fight or flight and into the rest and digest, which is hard work. Like people think it's the basic stuff, but for a lot of people, this is the hard work. I don't mean to do, but to get their body to the place where it can actually be in rest and digest. And we think it's something sexier than that. It's sexier than the diet or it's sexier than the yoga and the relaxation. If we were to look at the right side of the matrix, Dr. Casey, is there anything else that you would highlight? Can you share some of your favorite antioxidant-rich foods with us? What else would you want practitioners to know when thinking about EBV and oxidative stress? Yeah, so two antioxidants that I use a lot that I think are kind of, I mean, we think about them, but we think about them for other things. There's some good research on resveratrol and curcumin with the pathways that they turn on. So resveratrol acts on the JAK-STAT pathway and curcumin acts on the NF-kappa-B pathway. These, these pathways are also commonly associated with cancers. So not only, I mean, when you think about Epstein-Barr virus, you, you kind of think about like, oh, antivirals, natural, pharmaceutical, think of all that. But if we can use those type of supplements that are going to counteract those pathways that that virus is turning on and incorporate, you know, foods with, with antioxidants, that can be really helpful food wise, you know, it really is just eat the rainbow. So kale, when it is steamed can help with like binding up toxins and things like that. And of course, broccoli for for your cruciferous vegetables and, and getting all of those in. If you can do broccoli sprouts or things like that, some of those have even more antioxidants and, and properties. But again, it's kind of just like, are you getting those servings in every day or are you going to have to try and use more supplements if they can use them if you're not able to get those in every day? And I think this is where things like, you know, green smoothies and all of that are so powerful because you can put all those vegetables in and you've already got five servings of vegetables and you don't feel like you spent all day just eating a salad or that you were in the kitchen cooking vegetables all day. And I mean, for some patients, if they have SIBO or other gastrointestinal things, um, that becomes difficult because they can be having bloating or not tolerating the vegetables or even absorbing them well. So sometimes we have to deal with dysbiotic bacteria in the gastrointestinal tract or things like that first. But then once we get the body on, you know, off of carbohydrates, and I mean like fast food carbohydrates, right. Um, and on to clean fuel, then a lot of people start noticing that they feel differently and then they'll have energy to exercise. They'll have energy to call up their friend and go have some tea. They'll have energy to turn on their mindfulness exercise. And we have to get them to that point where they feel like they can do those things. And so that with each person figuring out how we can get them to that point where they have more energy so that they can do more of what they need is is huge in their healing process. Mm, Beautifully said, Dr. Casey. And I think this is the journey. And my big takeaway 
from this conversation is that reactivated EBV is likely happening in the presence of a number of other things in the body and oxidative stress is one of those things. And we have to ask why, why is that oxidative stress um, happening? So thank you so much for making these connections and for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. Thank you.